Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hey, Jen. Allie. Cue fake podcast music. All right, what's up, girl? Let me tell you a story. Talk to me. I was I was <clears throat> waiting for you to be ready. Uh-huh. I decided I was going to eat some of my gluten-free pretzels. Oof. And yes. I currently have lost a gluten-free pretzel somewhere down my chair. I'm not really sure where it's at right now. Okay. Okay. And then I go to call and I put my headset on. I, I wear two headsets at work. One can t- is connected to my cell phone, one connected to my computer. Okay. And so I have my headset in. I'm like, oh, I turn it off. Why can't I, you know, why can't I hear it at first? And I'm like, oh, must have bad connections. So I'm disconnecting, reconnecting, disconnect. I'm like, why is this not working? And then I look down and I'm like, oh, I got the wrong headset on. <laughs> you got the work one on? Yeah. So nice. it was a whole mess right there. That, that just all happened in like a two-minute period. Nice. Okay. Okay. So that reminds me of work. I could tell you two things. One, re- well, a couple weeks ago, you came to my workstation and I sit with one headphone in at work and one, and then it dingles down and the other headphone literally just sits in my shirt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, your brother had bought me one that has magnets on the ends. Oh, I have one too. Yeah. Okay. So it somehow had gotten into my bra you came down to help me with the computer and I cannot get the headphone out of my bra. It had like completely like wrapped around at least once. And I am wrist deep into my own cleavage. And you only like looked at me sideways like what? But you <laughs> didn't say anything. And I'm like wrestling around with the second headphone. I was like, oh my God. I don't question the things that you do. I know you did it. You just gave me like a little sideways look like, okay. But I was literally, my whole hand was in my cleavage mm-hmm. trying to get this headphone untangled from <laughs> my bra cup. Uh, and then a little grossy Josie thing happened. Since I work at the warehouse portion that is a temperature controlled and it's hot as a set of balls outside, I sweat a lot. And the other day, a uh, sweat had pooled above my clavicle, that little area above my clavicle. Mm-hmm. And a little flying insect flew inside that sweat puddle and drowned and died. Oh, it was, <clears throat> dude. I was like, I felt like a beast. Okay. My body produced so much sweat because I work a physical job. That I killed another animal. <laughs> wow. Like, oh my God, he drowned in my sweat. I saw him come at me and then all of a sudden I didn't see him anymore. And I went in the bathroom and he is in a pool of sweat above my clavicle. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's dirty. Okay. <laughs> great. That is so great. Yes. Uh, all what right. We're talking about. I have a case that was actually showcased on several other TV shows, etc. What do you have? I have a missing person, Paige Renkowski, Okemos, Michigan. Oh, well, why don't you go first and I'll go last because mine might be a little bit 
everybody's like, sure, heard this before kind of show. Talk to me, Goose. Really? Yeah, maybe. Paige was born (laughs) February 2nd, 1960. And she was living in Lansing, in the Lansing area at the time of her disappearance on May 24th, 1990. So she was age 30. Okay. The police found an abandoned vehicle on the side of I-96 by Fowlerville, Michigan. (laughs) Never good. (laughs) Right. Car, Car was still running. Doors unlocked. One door was open. Car, not good. Yep, the car worked. No damage found on the car. Oh fuck! And this is this is crazy. So okay, picture yourself, your police officer. Yeah. You get called about abandoned vehicle on the side of the expressway. You pull up. Yeah. You see that it's still running. That there's a door. Yeah. What are you? What's your first thought? Someone came and got her. No. Police believed at the time it was abandoned and had the car towed, which meant no recording of the scene. Are you kidding me? What about the running part? Right. Because people, well, I never abandoned my vehicle before, but I always envisioned if I would abandon my vehicle, it would be because it wasn't working. Uh Not that it was running. I get it. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you don't abandon something you can still use. Everybody you knows know. that. You know I'm what I mean? Not, not, not anymore. Not these people. Oh, that was just a bad decision. So, this car was registered to Paige's mother. The, the police called and left a message. Because this before cell phones. Paige's oh, yeah. mother wouldn't get the message because Paige had dropped her off at the airport that morning. Oh, fuck. When Paige didn't meet up with her fiance, a family member went to Paige's mother's house to see if she had left a message there. And Paige was, of course, you know, they get this message from the police. And so the page was reported missing. And when the car was searched, police found her purse in the back seat and her shoe shoved under the driver's seat. Only physical evidence was a lot of fingerprints on the vehicle, but, you know, that could be anyone. Family, oh friends. Oh, my God. So during the investigation, you know, many tips came in. Some saying they saw Paige talking to a man. In some cases, it was men. Um, so a whole bunch of different stories. But these tips gave police multiple types of vehicle descriptions, supposedly being parked behind her on the side of the road and five police sketches of men. Wow. Paige was described as a fun loving and hardworking kind of woman by her sister in a Dateline special. And why, you know, we got to ask ourselves, why'd she pull over, right? Yes. Especially if the car was still running. Right. Did she decide to pull over and help someone? Did someone purposely hit her car to get her to pull over and just or not was, hard enough to leave damage or even just pull up right. next to her and she knew him and they're like pull over or whatever right they could have known him or it was a person impersonating a police officer or officer which was happening back then oh shit becky the, yeah the case <laughs> went the case went cold the leads disappeared until 2011 
So when a handwritten note and a map to where Paige was supposedly buried. What? Yep. The police took cadaver dogs to the site and the dogs did get a hit. And they dug no avail. Couldn't find anything. They dug some more in other many other places. Nothing. Completed searches with more dogs. Nothing. Leads died. Wow. And so the case is still cold today. With a few leads coming in here and there, um, Paige's, Paige's friend was the last person who knew her supposedly to see her because he, she drops her mom off at the airport and goes to her friend in Canton. Okay. Now, she was last seen on surveillance video um, at a Canton carryout. So after she went to her friend's house or before? Okay. That was after. And then seen supposedly again on the side of the road, maybe talking to somebody. Oh, my God. And they, and in the Dateline special, the sister talks about how she wouldn't have, you know, I'm thinking maybe, you know, she, everybody talks about how nice and sweet she was and stuff like that. Maybe she was just nice and you pulled over to help somebody on the side of the road. But supposedly, that her sweetness didn't go that far. Like okay. She would have had to know. She would have had to know you. Okay. Like she's like, no, she's too into self-preservation. Like, no, I'm not going to do something that could put me in danger. Okay. Wow, that's terrible that they couldn't find her. Yeah, I do have a case that was kind of like that, but it does finally get solved. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And it's funny that you said Dateline. Because there is, this is about the murder of a woman named Venus Stewart here in Michigan. And there was a Dateline episode called Finding Venus that came out this year. But there was another episode that aired on Dateline about Venus that came out in 2011 called Deadly Game. And her murder was featured on Nancy Grace. So are you ready? Yep. So Venus and Doug Stewart were married. And... Doug was a wife abuser and Venus was the victim of domestic violence. And so she traveled from her marital home with him in Newport News, Virginia to Colon, Michigan in the year 2010. I didn't even know there was a Colon, Michigan. Really? Do you want to know when I first heard of it? Yeah. There used to be a Bush's Value Land, a grocery store named Bush's Value Land in Ypsilanti that I worked in from 93 to 96. And they had a list of cities that we could accept accept checks from. And that was one of them. And that was the first time I heard of it. Interesting. Yes. Um, Her parents, Larry and Therese McComb, they have a home in um, Colon. And she was coming back to them so that she could start the divorce process. She's 32 years old. And she's just like three years older than Doug. And they have two daughters together. Their oldest daughter, Brooke, was six years old in 2020. you know (laughs) (laughs) her oldest daughter Brooke yeah uh was six years old in 2010 and Rachel was only four years old so this is what happened and this is why I remembered it because I was like the fuck because I had also seen something on it on April 26 2010 while staying at her parents house she walked out to the mailbox and just never returned she had just like disappeared. And when her family went to go look for her, her parents, there were str- uh, there were signs of a physical struggle at the mailbox. 
And all of her personal items, like her purse and her wallet, all that stuff is still in the house. You know, if you're going to try to say that she walked off, you know what I mean? And her parents took custody of her kids while detectives searched for her, you know, for Venus. And at this point, they're looking for her body because they think that her husband is in on it, right? Immediately, because he has threatened her life before and he's physically been violent with her before. So a search warrant's filed for Doug's pickup truck. And in there, they find what they suspect to be blood. They find a receipt from Walmart, and it has the list of purchase of gloves, shovel, tarp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Might as well be like, you know, I don't know, bleach. Uh, <laughs> just all sorts of stuff like, I am trying to hide a dead body. <laughs> the investigators, <Right>? yeah. <laughs> The investigators did have an issue with bringing Doug in for the disappearance of his estranged wife because when Venus disappeared in Michigan, Doug was able to prove that his computer and credit card were being used in Virginia and he had run some errand there, some errands there, so it created witnesses and he has this out-of-state alibi in Virginia, but it wasn't quite airtight. So here's the deal. The state of Michigan decides to take Doug to court for kidnapping and the murder of his wife, and it was he gets so he's arrested in June 2010. He's charged with first degree premeditated murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder. And there's evidence against him: the receipt from Walmart in his truck that basically said, "Here are everything you need to hide a dead body," and include it's included. Is there and included on the receipt is this tart, and they find in the front yard of Venus's parents a tarp wrapper that his, has his fingerprint on it. And there's no way he is in Virginia, right? Using all his stuff. And somehow something has got just his fingerprint on it and it's in Michigan and suddenly it appears on the, their front lawn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how to get here. So they, uh, his neighbor, Doug's neighbor in Virginia, his name is James Weaver. He testifies that three or four days after Venus's disappearance, he stopped to chat with Doug, and Doug had scratches and bruises on his neck, forearms, and thighs. And James said that Doug spent the entire time that they were talking, discussing his missing wife, and, quote, telling us what a bad person she was, end quote. So I just want to be like, at this point, not only did he, he murder her, he is now shit-talking her after she's dead. I was wow. like, this guy is, like, so, just trash. Yeah. Yeah. There's another large piece of evidence that's used against Doug, and that's testimony from Ricky Spencer. And he admits in court that he stayed in Virginia and pretended to beat Doug while Doug traveled to Michigan to kill Venus. Vicky wore Doug's clothes. Vicky. I did Venus and Ricky Mm -hmm. together. (laughs) Ricky wore Doug's clothes, and he lived in Doug's apartment while Doug was away. So that the apartment cameras could verify his alibi, you know, see someone get out of his truck, go up to his apartment, go inside. And Ricky used Doug's in-home computer at his apartment and his credit card while in Newport News, Virginia, to see a movie locally, buy fast food. And Ricky testified that Doug calls him from Michigan, saying that he surprised Venus at the mailbox and that he killed her. And that was to let Ricky know that it's time for him to dress up and this hooded sweatshirt, a hat, these aviator sunglasses, and go to Doug's lawyer's office to make a payment. And because this in-person interaction was used to create an eyewitness, 
and that's the secretary receiving the payment. However, the secretary is like the person that came in as Doug. That was really Ricky. She thought he didn't look quite right. Like his posture was slouched. His mannerisms are off. He's a little bit skinnier than Doug. Mm. So on April 26, 2010, the day Doug murdered Venus, he has Ricky travel to Bashida, Maryland. Doug meets him there. They Ricky gives Doug back the clothes that he'd worn. He gives the keys to his apartment to him. He gives him back his credit cards and they split ways. And then Doug shows up the next day at the lawyer's office wearing those clothes that Ricky had worn the day before. At this point, Doug's trying to establish an an alibi at the law office, right? Trying to show that he's been there two days in a row. But Mm -hmm. that's like a mistake because the receptionist is like, okay, he normally wears different clothes. And then two days in a row, he wears the same weird ass clothes, like a hood and, you know, sunglasses. And then she thought that, you know, he had these weird personalities, two different personalities, Ricky's quiet and introspective on the day Venus dies. And the next day, Doug is boisterous and outgoing. And, you know, the day after he murders and buries uh, Venus. So Ricky, who's 21 years old, said he participated in the crime because Doug told him that his daughters were in jeopardy and that he needed his help to go save them. And according to Ricky, quote, I asked him if it was worth it. He said it was to protect his kids and give them some type of future. And he told me that he was going to call me later because he was going to bury her. So he calls after he kills her and says, I got to call you back. I got to go bury her. So Ricky testifies that while he did know Doug was going to murder Venus, he didn't think he was going to go through with the killing. But it bothers me that he did stay what? in his apartment. I know, dude. Okay, so you're with me on that? Like the, come on, I call bullshit? Right. Yeah, okay. I'll call bullshit on that. So Ricky's sentence for a felony manslaughter charge was lightened because his cooperation helped put Doug away. And Ricky was given one year in jail and then another three years of probation. And so Ricky did his time and was released from St. Joseph County Jail in March of 2010, or 2012. And there was a protest after Ricky's sentencing because his punishment was so light and his role in the murder of Venus was huge because that's what enabled Doug to just leave the state altogether to go to Michigan to kill her. You know what I right. mean? If, if Ricky wouldn't have agreed with it, Doug couldn't have gone forward with his plan. I was just like, that is bullshit. I'm with you, protesters. <laughs> so Doug Stewart was convicted of Venus's premeditated murder in 2011. And Michigan law states that he spends the remainder of his life in prison. <clears throat> so finally, in 2017, seven wow. years, yes, yeah, seven years after Doug murdered his wife, he admits that he committed the crime. He said he grabbed Venus and he took her to a secluded area where he put her in a headlock until he saw a drop of blood fall from her nose. Doug also agreed to lead authorities to her body in October 2018 for a few reasons. One is he wanted the privilege of having access to an Xbox gaming console, even if it wasn't connected to the Internet. The second was Doug said he felt compelled to tell everyone where he'd hidden Venus because his family was now on good terms with Venus's family, so they could see his daughters. And also, Doug was quoted as saying, quote, I just want to get it over with, end quote. So Venus's remains were located in Wakashman Township in Kalamazoo County. According to a lieutenant with the Michigan State Police, it took Doug literally about 30 seconds to find the location of his wife's body once they, remained, once they arrived on site. 
And they found the tarp whose wrapping had a partial fingerprint on it. You know that tarp? That mm-hmm. tarp was in the hole where he had left her body. Yeah. So he did really did have the tarp. Venus had been buried mm-hmm. on private property. It was an area that Doug had been familiar with as he worked there chopping wood when he was a teenager. Venus Stewart's body was laid to rest in Leonidas Cemetery in Leonidas, Michigan. And her burial plot's only two miles away from her mom's house. And her mom said, quote, I wanted her to be found so bad, but then a part of me was so scared because then I'd have to face it. It would become real to me. And I just want to share with you what a douchebag Doug Stewart is. Because he's at the sentencings, right? And yeah. they're about to sentence him to mandatory life prison. He knows he kills his wife, but here's what he says. Quote, all I have to say is, I'm innocent. I did not do these crimes. I asked the police to continue looking for my wife. If not for me, my children need to know what happened to their mother. End quote. Mm. You, yeah, you're a real rotten bastard. You know exactly what happened to their mother. You don't give a fuck about right. your kids. You, you murdered their mother. Probably because she had the balls the to leave hell? you. I know. Like, you terrible human being made out of nothing but, like, refuse and low tide excrement. Like, I don't even. Yeah, like, <laughs> what is wrong with people? I don't know. But Someone... it, is all, it always is good, though, to know that, you know, look, seven years. Yeah. You're going down, dude. Yeah. And that one I did, uh, last week about the kid under the billboard that was 20 years or whatever right yeah like don't give up sometimes they'll they'll catch people no matter what that d'angelo dude the golden state killer he was uh you know doing shit in that you know 70s 80s i don't know 90s because but you know and he just got caught so don't think that you won't get caught because later on people might come up with some stuff to catch people and maybe it's not around now it's around later. Yeah, they'll get <laughs> yeah. you. That's Some right. Something. That's yeah. right. Ah, all right, then I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. Contact us at Anchor or Michigan and Other Mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.